1: My friends, thank you so much for joining me today here on WCN TV. We have we have a wonderful guest lined up. This is going to resonate with a lot of folks because, uh, well, we've got eyes to see what's going on in this nation today. We're living in an age of clear, clear distinctions, high crime, depression. Of course, that doesn't have anything to do with all the calls for defunding or or eliminating the police, does it? Anarchy, looting, drug addiction, sexual perversion. We could go on and on and on with this list, but you heard it all before. The world has lost its moorings, and the evidence is right in front of our eyes every day. Even Disney, Target, Starbucks, and Anheuser-Busch, just to name a few. Sports teams, Hollywood elites, they lend their approval the vilest acts that we've ever seen in this nation and act like and try to make you believe that this is normal. This is progress. This is enlightenment. My guest today is Carl Barnett. Carl has uh, a wonderful uh, working resume. I admire uh, Carl even before I met him, uh, before we went on the air, spent a lot of years doing prison ministry. And I, I admire people that take on that, that ministry. And uh, he's seen some of the toughest people around. And when you're in that ministry, you certainly will. Carl writes in his book, and this is the subject of our conversation today, God's holiness versus man's lawlessness. He writes that people The problem with the folks in prison is the same problem that we face in our culture, growing immorality. It has to do with the moral decisions and choices that we make. There's a growing coldness, Carl writes, to moral truth. There's an increase in licentiousness, disrespect for authority, self-law, antinomianism, biblically speaking, and violence. In his book, God's Holiness Versus Man's Lawlessness, he examines God's original intent in giving us the moral law. And surprise, surprise, it's for our own good and because of his great love for us. Carl is the founder and executive director of Monday Blues to Sunday Pews. Now there is a tagline that you're going to remember. (laughs) Monday Blues to Sunday Pews. He is the author of several books Values Our Daily Steps God's Guide to Freedom God's People Count searching for your comfort zone and the one that again is the subject of our conversation God's holiness versus man's lawlessness Carl thank you very much for joining me here on WCN TV.
2: Thank you Mike it's a, it's a pleasure to be on your program. Thank you well, so much I, for inviting me.
1: Well we we were chatting we've got uh, got some business to do. Uh, post show, I've got friends down in your neck of the woods. I'd love to get you connected. I think maybe there's some, some ministry opportunities there as well. So, God's holiness versus man's lawlessness. Now, a guide through Leviticus. Let's let's address that first because most people most people see Leviticus and a study guide, or hey, let's go through the book of Leviticus, and they turn around and walk the other way. So, what made you yeah. tackle Leviticus?
2: Well, if if you'll indulge me just for a few moments Mike. Absolutely. Let me let me back up just a little bit. So, when I retired two and a half years ago, I retired from my worldly life. But I wanted to do something based on the God-given gifts, abilities, talents and experiences that I've had over the course of my life. As you mentioned the prison ministry where i could use a an archive of devotions that i've had stored up for the last 12 years into the form of a book well god laid upon my heart that in all of my years in prison ministry mike what i discovered and not just really in the prison ministry unfortunately even in teaching sunday school classes and very involved with other ministries and churches the sad thing about it is, is that what we're seeing is oh, there's not a lot of people reading God's word daily. In my first book, God Values and Daily Steps, I reference a very staggering statistic that only 9% of people, Americans, are reading God's word daily. Well, if you take that a step further, Pew Research Center is now showing that only half of those are engaging or applying God's Word to our life. So before we get to Leviticus I, I sort of preface the, the first book is God values our daily step, which is a guide through Genesis. Here's what I wanted to do. My goal while I'm here as a servant on this earth for the good Lord is I want to try to help people from a layman's approach if you will layered with scripture, with life application scripture, and what I want to do is I want to take key verses, key topics, key storylines, one chapter at a time. What was God saying then to his children, but how does that apply to us today? So that leads up to this third book, God's holiness versus man's lawlessness. So a lot of people, I was on ABQ Connect, which is part of Skip Isaac's uh, Calvary Chapel out of Albuquerque, New Mexico, about a little over a month ago. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things Steve brought up to me, he said, you know, Carl, he said, he said, you've got a book here about a guy through Leviticus, God's holiness versus man's lawlessness. But then you've got another book, God's people count a God through numbers. He said, these are two books that people absolutely stray away from. Mm -hmm. But when you look at Leviticus, Mike, the theme around Leviticus is about God's holiness. Yes. And if you think about these two words right here, sin and sanctification. And unfortunately, what we're seeing today is we know that there's a lot of lawless acts taking place amongst the unbelieving world But unfortunately, and let me, let me, I'm not sure what, how large your viewing audience is, Mike, please let me preface by saying this, as an author, everything that I write applies as much to me as it does anyone else. It's like I'm really preaching to myself. You know, C.S. Lewis, one of the things I learned in an introductory course with C.S. Lewis at Hillsdale is that C.S. Lewis always challenged his people, his, his his writer to write with their ears. Now, what does that mean? That means every word that you put down in every sentence has a meaning. It has a purpose. It's going to hit home with somebody. And that's the same thing with God's word. And and when I got to God's holiness versus man's lawlessness around the guy through Leviticus. If you just, just the first three chapters, Mike, people say, well, how in the world can you get any kind of devotion out of the the offerings, whether it be the, the burnt offering, the great offering, or the peace offering? Well, if you just really think about the, I just love how God orchestrates the Bible. The first three offerings, as you're well aware, they're all voluntary offerings. So if you just really think about that, it's like an invitation for those who are willing and devoted and committed wholeheartedly coming to him with the best that they can offer as far as a total sacrifice with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then from there, you can just lay out the course like a roadmap through the rest of Leviticus by the consuming fire and the, the altars and and how the Lord challenges us to not only come clean but stay clean. And we all can accomplish that through the power of his word in having the the Holy Spirit active in our daily lives. So I think what a lot of people are going to see in this book is I sort of wanted to lay it out and start it out with, uh, I'm not going to definitely compare myself to C.S. Lewis. Let me make that crystal clear (laughs) right now. But I throw a lot of little what I call hidden nuggets out there. And I'll just give you one clue. If you remember, after the the commentaries by various pastors in North America, I opened up with an ear for for holiness. Now you probably noticed that I didn't open up with an ear of holiness. There's a big difference between for and of as prepositions. For is a distance. It's like a purpose. It's like what Paul said. I'm striving for. Of is like an association, a relationship, you're in a, a standing position. And unfortunately, we're in the four more so than the of, uh, And that applies as much to, as much to the Christian world, those in the church than anybody else. Because I think back in a conversation or an interview that Charlie Cook, Charlie Kirk had with, uh, someone here a few weeks ago. I think we've all heard of Charlie Kirk. Yeah. He's, uh, started at Turning Point USA, he said, this is very profound what he said. He said, you know what? I don't blame the unbelievers, all the chaos in the world today. I blame the Christians in the church. And the reason why is because this is his, his word is verbatim, and I agree with him, is that we have gotten too complacent. God's word challenges us to change, to conform to his ways, to where we can resonate and connect with people to where we can close this gap because we need people in the
1: gap of holiness. Amen. Amen, Carl. Absolutely. You know, as I'm thinking about everything that you've just said, one of the things that um, I realized many years ago now, and I've tried to to bring this message to leavers and help them to understand that uh, what has happened, and this has been ongoing for many decades. It's not just a recent thing, Um, but I, I try to help them to understand that culture is created. Culture is created. And sometimes when people hear that, they get a puzzled look on their face and they don't quite understand what i'm trying to say but it's no secret and it should be clear and obvious to those who name the name of christ who have the spirit of god living within them it should be very clear and very obvious that people today increasingly at a a rapid number are basing their their lifestyle on opinions on Thoughts of other people, their feelings they're they're essentially and then they don't like to be told this, but they're right. essentially being told what they should believe on right. any number of subjects. I don't know how else you explain the the rise like it, seemingly overnight in the last several years of uh, for example drag queens coming coming full force like a tsunami uh, upon this. And now parents, parents actually bringing their children and defending their behavior in this. Now we have the same kind of debauchery on, on our television uh, programs. And apparently, I don't, but apparently, um, viewership is very high on these things. So how did this happen, first of all? How did... Did did America get so far away from understanding what God's word says and abiding by that? You, you You talked about that being obedient to the things that God has revealed to us and instead allow other nameless, faceless people to tell us what we are to think, what opinions we are to have and how we are to act based on all of that.
2: Yeah, you know, Mike, uh, Paul tells us in Timothy that this should be no surprise to us. This, in, At the end of time, the end of our days, all these things that we're seeing that Paul talked about also in Romans chapter 1 and also in the second epistle of Timothy that these are the things that's going to surface that we're going to see, even new, new new ways of sinning. Um, but yeah. also what I want to preface and go back to is to everything that you just said. Is that the problem that that we as Christians are not really tapping into right now is that we're not listening to the Word of God, yeah, and people say, Well, what do you mean by that? Well, we know the scripture in second Corinthians where it says that we walk by faith and not by sight
0: mm-hmm.
2: okay let's let's expound that a little bit more then we know what. What Romans chapter 10 tells us is that that faith comes by hearing the word of God. Well, so well, what does that mean? That means you accept the truth of what God is saying and you believe it. And then you live it out in your daily lives. Yep. But I think going back to what I said that Charlie Kirk alluded to, going back to what I said earlier about, how God just orchestrated his word. It's amazing, Mike, that the parables in the New Testament, how Jesus had to talk in parables, I I call them riddles. But it's because he, in the very first parable that he mentioned, in Matthew chapter 13, he kept asking, of course, we, we know he's talking to those the religious leaders. Why is it you don't? Understand, it's because they weren't listening to what his message meant. And what I find so profound in Matthew chapter 13 that may somewhat answer your question, there are 23 parables in Matthew. Well, in Matthew chapter 13, there are seven alone. And what I find so profound, Mike, is that the very first one is the one that we're all very familiar with, the four soils.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That very first one we know p- pertains to the unbelieving world, but then you get to the rocky sands or the rocky uh, the, ever how you want to call it, the rocky soil, and the, then the thistles and the and the thorns. Those first three, if you really think about it, the fourth one is the only one that's living a productive. Producing a thirty, sixty, and hundred times, as far as expanding the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what's really scary to me is, is that. And I know I feel like sounds like I'm beating on a dead horse here, and I deeply apologize. But, uh, and I hope I hope and pray that you're okay with me being very transparent and black and white.
1: Please, but.
2: Well, what a lot of people don't understand is that those second and third soils pertain to Christians, so-called Christians of the churches today, and that's very unfortunate. And and in all my years in prison ministry, I, I got to tell you, you talking about apologetics, it's not really apologetics anymore. Mm-hmm. It's really what we call cultural apologetics, because People's subjective thinking is across the board. It's all about their moment of feeling, their emotions, their life experiences, what, what they had happened in their life, uh, even their intellect. It's a, it's across the spectrum. And in the prison ministry, what I discovered in, de- in dealing with so many different types of intellect, and I'm talking about, I'm talking to 35, 40-year-old men, Mike, that may have a comprehension level of a fifth grader. Mm. So if anybody wants to be challenged in the realms of apologetics, I'd say go get in the prison ministry for about Mm. two or three years, and I promise you, you'll learn a lot. Yes. Because you'll learn how to connect with with different types of people. So I apologize for that. I know. But a lot of of the, the
0: prisoners...
1: Carl, your audio is breaking up oh. so what carl is is talking about there? cultural apologetics that's that's one of the uh areas that that i've been trained in personally in my education background um and i i summarize it this way for people and uh for sure for sure jr um i summarize it this way for people Uh, evangelism has changed today uh, sharing our faith has changed today because the context in which we are sharing it has changed. We cannot assume that anyone has a, a Christian or biblical background or understanding um, up until 25 years ago or so uh, uh, still the majority of people in America had some kind of, of connection To Christianity, whether it was a parent, a grandparent, um, they had some knowledge of what the Bible claims for itself, what Christians believe, um, some sense of that. Well, that's not true today. There there is a a whole generation that has grown up. You can hear today in America, as shocking as it may be to some some folks that are my age, uh, people say, Who is Jesus? I've never heard of Jesus. And that is a shocking thing to hear. And so what that should do to us is inform us that the context in which we are sharing our faith, evangelism, has changed drastically. And that means that our our manner, our methodology and our approach has to meet that challenge. So when Carl's talking about uh, cultural apologetics in in the prison and he used that example um, I can relate very much to that because I see that myself in our culture. Are you are you back with us Carl? Yes sir, I think so. Okay. Well you were talking about cultural apologetics that uh, some of the folks that you minister to in a prison setting uh, they may be 35 40 years old but they have the the mindset, the um, uh, thinking of a five-year-old. So pick it up from there.
2: Yeah, and, and that goes to the heart of, of what Paul teaches in First Corinthians is that, you know, Charles Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon made the comment one time, we're better off to use five words of God's word versus five million words of man's wisdom. And my point on that is that you have to really know your audience. And and the best way to know your audience is get engaged with them personally. Mm-hmm. And and I will say this, the, the the one thing, and Mike, you could probably educate me in this area. The one thing that I I feel like that apologetics get where they get in trouble is that leads to more of an argumentative state, if you will. They don't know their audience and because we have to face facts. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people out there. That's all they want to do is this. They want to argue with you about what they believe in. Mm -hmm. So in other words, if I'm in a one-on-one session with someone and I know that, and that's the way that I would, I would tackle apologetics in the prison. It wouldn't be in a group setting. It wouldn't be one on three. It's going to be one on one.
0: Yeah,
2: and we're going to see just how sincere you really are. And the first thing we're going to do before we take this conversation any further is we're going to pray and give it to the Lord first and let Him believe in God the way. Yes. And I think what happened today is that don't get me wrong. I I firmly believe that defending our faith, as Peter tells us, if in his first epistle is it's imperative, mm-hmm. but at the same time, we, we've got to know our audience. We've got to make sure that we have a discerning spirit and we know that, that the Lord gives us the right choice of words at the right time that will resonate with that person. Cause you know, as well as I do, there's a lot of people out there that who are all caught up, as you said earlier into lawless deeds. And all they want to do is just bring chaos, friction, dissension and discord that's that's our whole purpose in life and we just need to be careful on how we approach them as paul was telling Timothy, it's about our our general approach and how we use words of grace and uh i know that's challenging many many times yeah but uh but we have to ingrain that into us to where we have the right choice of words that will really connect with people to where we get that message to them
1: yes yeah I think one of, the, one of the other issues that we face today as believers um, is that we understand that we need to uh, walk in the holiness of God. We need to, to live a holy life, a life of righteousness. We need to, to um, observe, obey his commands. And when we're doing that, we are walking under his anointing and, and in his love But the culture sees that as exactly the opposite. When we're seeking to honor God in our lives in every way, um, they see that as hate because we're going to, no matter how respectfully we do it, that's the culture we live in today, no matter how respectfully we stand in opposition to what they're saying or doing, they're going to call us haters. So, right Point number one, and I'd like your thoughts on this, Carl, is that we have to steel ourselves against that. We have to understand that's going to be the response that we're going to receive. Don't get flustered. Don't get upset. Don't take it personally. Continue to try and have dialogue and conversation. This is what this is what Charlie Kirk does very, very well is. Because he takes, he takes a beating sometimes when he goes out on these campuses, but he maintains his composure and continues to have logical, rational, compassionate conversation and, and, and tries to, to bring that person into that conversation. Uh, unfortunately, many times what I see is they just walk away because they, they can't really. Yeah, they can't really. So, so how, how do you address that? Carl, when, when we're out uh, uh, sharing with people,
2: well, I tell you what, there's if you're in a group setting, this 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 would be Carl's approach. If you're in a group setting like that, uh, to where if the forum, and I'm, I'm assuming that if the forum is a lot of people, what what I try to do is, and this has happened to me in the prison is uh, I, I've, been in, I've been in sessions, Mike, in a Bible study session or preaching in the uh, prison where there's at least 40, 50 guys there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you you got some guys that's going want to come out and just get out of their cell, and they just want to be and this, maybe disrupt things. So so the same thing that's happened with Charlie Kirk is happening with me in the prison. It's, it's a different, a different environment. But the best way to do it is is stay on course with your message. Stay diligent to the teaching of God's word. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Do it with the love and the grace and the mercy that he abounds. And then look at that person in the eye and say, I would like to talk to you one-on-one after we get done here. Now, is that going to strike a chord with everybody? Like you said earlier, the world is so full of hate. And there are some like, like Charlie Kirk. And you're right, man. That guy is thick skin. Oh my yeah. goodness. He is. He, I mean, he's like, he's like Paul in Acts chapter 19. He's like, he is fiery exhortation and he doesn't back off a lick. Yep. But that would be my approach is that you have, and it is going to happen. And that's why you got to, you know, people in apologetics, this is this, this is the Carl saying here, so I apologize. I have a lot of little of my own sayings, but you cannot defend your faith if you're not living your faith.
1: Yes. Amen.
2: You have to be genuinely living out your faith according to God's word led by the Holy Spirit every day. You need to do what Paul and Peter says. You need to pay attention to scripture and you need to put it into practice. And I'm not talking about just a few hours on Sunday. I'm talking about every day of the week. And listen, it doesn't mean we're going to reach perfection. It doesn't mean that. But as part of Leviticus, as part of that sanctification, when we're going through sanctification, other people, whether it be family members, friends, or even the unbelieving world, or, or even brothers and sisters in Christ, they need to see the growth and maturity in our daily walk. And hopefully we will be that Christ-like example that will help them in a weak area of their life instead of being a stumbling block.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That is so true, Carl. And and of course, our culture has coined all kinds of euphemisms, idioms, oh. and phrases to cover, you know, I see you talk to talk, let me see you walk to walk, you know, words are cheap, dime a dozen. I I I hear things like this all the time. Uh, and it's true. And 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 I believe that one of the things is going to happen if 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 you're not who you say you are, and you're trying to talk to somebody about being who you're not, the Holy Spirit is going to is going to yank you in a hurry and say you're being a hypocrite right now. You don't even like, live this. How are you trying to convince somebody else to live what you're not even living? Well, that's that's uh, that's a wake up call, isn't it?
2: Well, I'll tell you this. Here's another Carl saying that I put in a book is that hypocrisy dwells in the eyes of the unbeliever. They love to pick us apart when they see that, when they see us saying one thing, but then we're dabbling into Mm -hmm. the world. Mm -hmm. Oh, they love that. And, And, you know, going back, I love what you said earlier, Mike, those words like, uh, dama does and so forth you know what we call those now we call weasel words
1: <laughs> weasel words
2: <laughs> yeah but they'll, they'll uh, people like a charlie in a charlie kirk forum they'll say well many researchers say or the critics point out but guess what they have nothing to substantiate the fact but you can bank on one thing charlie kirk does <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's very very true friends we were talking with uh author carl barrett about his book god's holiness versus man's lawlessness um in the book carl you talk about a very pervasive very very deep uh dark spiritual blindness that that seems to be uh all well it's easy to say across america but really the the entire world is in the grips of this spiritual blindness and why why do you why do you think it's so severe right now at this point in time?
2: Well, unfortunately, it's and, and I keep harping on this, but we're this not students of God's word. Uh, Paul tells us in Second Corinthians what the answer is. Who creates a spiritual blindness? It's Satan. It's our enemy. Yep. He creates a spiritual blindness in us, and and it's because we've succumbed to, like you said earlier, we've succumbed to the ways of the world. And and when you get when you get deeper and deeper into that, that rut, then you could get to the point of no return as in Hebrews chapter six. And uh, I mean, if you just look at what Paul wrote in Romans chapter one, I mean, such a powerful chapter that even outlines much of what we're seeing today is that God over time, he's going to allow them to fall over and fall to their reprobate minds. Because they're so depraved, and uh, it, it's just it, it's it comes back upon us. Going back to what you just said, you just hit the nail on the head. We have we have we have got to live by the truth of God's word. We have got people have got to see the gospel of Jesus Christ in our lives, and it's imperative now more than ever that in these in times that we clothe ourselves with everything in that new life that Paul wrote about in Colossians chapter 3. We need to clothe ourselves where people see something different and unique. I mean, back like to what you say about holiness and righteousness, and, and, and I'm sure the viewers probably understand this, but I think this is imperative for people to know. Holiness is the accompaniment of everything that God is. That is who God is. Mm-hmm. So when you think how that applies to us, It should be the character of God, his holiness in our life. Righteousness is our position. So that is critical because when we start clothing ourselves internally and spiritually with the righteousness of Christ, that will, and we live by that and breathe it every day that comes out of us in our character every day. Mm -hmm. And it becomes like second nature and, and it's, Easier said than done for those listening or watching. And, but it takes, if the answer is to, to answer your question is we have got to be in God's word every day and we have got to be applying. In corporate America, one of the things that I learned, and I've used this in some analysis and assessment in the prison ministry. Have you ever heard of what they call the SWOT analysis? Yes. S-W-O-T. Yes. We all have our strengths. We all have our weaknesses. We all have opportunities and we all have threats. If we would just take that simple four acronym and, and dive into God's word into what are our strengths? How can we better utilize our strengths for the building of God's kingdom? What are our weaknesses? How can we turn those into strengths? What is our opportunity for spreading the gospel? And we know what our threats are because going back to what you said at the onset, is, it's the world. It's a system that's, that's completely creating all these lawless deeds that is, that is creating all this havoc against
0: God's holiness.
1: Yes. Yes. So what you've just described, Carl, I'm going to bring it all down to this, this point right here. And this has to be a starting point for us, friends each of us individually are responsible for the spiritual state that we are in or want to be in. And it is dependent upon our obedience to the commands of God. That's
2: right. We are all responsible for our spiritual state.
1: So, so we need to train our, our minds, our, our, hearts, our conscience. We, we need to be in a constant program of training to align ourselves with the Father and what He says in His Word. That goes back to what you've said two or three times now. We don't spend enough time communing with the Father through His Word. It's amazing to me, Carl, and I'll, I'll pass it back to you, but it's amazing to me, even after 40 years of of walking with the Lord, when I open up His Word and read things, He is still still speaking to me saying, hey, did you see this right here? I know you've read it a hundred times, but I want you to see this right here. It's amazing, isn't it? It, it
2: is. I, Oh my goodness. I, I cannot count the times where I have, in our family, we 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 try to live by what Deuteronomy 6 teaches us. We Listen, and I want everybody to understand that, trust me, our, our family's perfect, but we try to talk about it God's word around our table. We try to, you know, let that exist not just on the inside of our home, but the outside of our home. But we try to wear wear it around our necks. But but going back to what you said, uh, Timothy talked about. I'm sorry, Paul talked about in First Timothy, is that physical training is good, but practicing for godliness is what is going to bring us eternal life. And I, and I got to tell you. There is, I've, I've heard John MacArthur say this, Mike, he is, I mean, you've heard a lot of people win, lead people to Christ through the Romans road to salvation, or or even in the Gospel of John. I've heard John MacArthur say that he, is, he has led more people to Christ through Galatians chapter five. Because if you read Galatians chapter five, and you completely realize, and you talk about making all this elementary, there are only two forces that are fighting against each other. It's a spirit and it's a flesh. And they cannot coexist. One's winning the battle in our lives. And if you look, if you're allowed and walking in the spirit, you'll see the nine fruit of the spirit. You'll see those nine elements in the fruit of the spirit that will be the byproducts of your life. But then you see a slew, a huge list of all the vices that prevent us from living a life of holiness. And and what John MacArthur said is that when he would read to someone that was not a Christian, that those who continue to live this type of lifestyle will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, if that doesn't scare the heebie-jeebies out of you, I don't know what does. Because... And then we get over to Hebrews chapter 12. It's, that That is one of the most extensive chapters, Mike, about God disciplines those that he loves. Mm-hmm. And it covers at least 26 verses. But what I love about that is when you get down about midway, it gives us gut punch. And it says those who are not living a holy life will not see God. They will not see the Lord. And... That means that we need to be living a life of, of equipping ourselves and preparing ourselves every day where we're living by God's word to where as if we're going to see the Lord in five minutes from now or if we're going to see the Lord tomorrow. Because I, I going back, I, I heard John MacArthur earlier today talking about fear. A lot of people just, they don't look at fear in, in the realms of what God wants them to, to see him as as reverence. We want to have complete reverence and respect for his word and living by his commands every day and be more Christ like. That's why we go through the trials that we go through, because he wants us to be more like his son.
1: So <laughs> Carl, you mean you mean to tell me that when we profess Christ, trust in Him for eternal life, that we're not gonna have smooth sailing for the rest of our lives? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Man, i tell
2: you, I, I, can list, I, can give you a, I can give you a list of men and women in God's word that did not have smooth sailing. I can tell you that right now. But I can promise you this. I, I have not had a smooth sailing. I, I was just, and Jonathan was asking me if before you guys came on. I asked him how his Christmas was. And he said, it was really good. He said, he asked me about mine. I said, well, it was, it was bittersweet. So it was a since sensitive way. My mom passed away a few days before Christmas.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So that was, sorry. but yeah. listen, here's the great thing about it. She's in a much better place beyond my comprehension. She's been struggling with a lot of pain for many years, but, but the point of the matter is that I lose that human connection. And we're so attached to so many yeah. things on this earth that you lose that, and and uh, this goes to show you that there's going to be losses in our life. There's going to be trials. There's going to be persecution and tribulations to come. And James tells us beautifully that it's not it's not if it's when they come. We're to consider them as an opportunity for joy. Put your head around that.
1: <laughs> yes, right. Yeah. Well, one of the areas that um, our culture has become unhinged in is, uh, sexuality. The Bible has a lot to say, very straightforward about human sexuality. And so you address that in this book. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's when, when we get into the point of sexual immorality, what happens is it completely breaks the unity. Of, of God's design.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Now this going to be absolutely pretty explicit here, but if you just think about sexual immorality, what, what is happening there is is you've got two sinners unified together. When you have two sinners unified together, that has there is no parallel with God's design there. Period. So, if you go back to Genesis chapter one, he clearly depicts for us the picture and the portrait of godliness that pertains to his guidelines on sexual. Uh, I mean, he he wants us to make sure that that we're not doing anything to destroy what we're seeing today with all the lawless acts. He wants us to make sure that we're in compliance with everything that he designed from the very beginning.
1: Yes. And there are people out there today, Carl, um, who are using human sexuality and deliberately um, fomenting deception, um, chaos, I'll put it that way, dysphoria, deliberately pushing things that will create for people confusion and blindness to the reality of what God's word has to say about sexuality, because only in, in, and I think statistically um, it bears this out, that peace and contentment in human relationships is only going to be found when they are of the order that God has designed, so right. when we try to force right. the issue and 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 engage in human sexuality that is contrary to the Creator's design for goodness and right. life and 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 health, um, we're going to see the chaos that we see in our culture today, aren't we? That's correct. That's right. And and the
2: big thing is. If you look at what Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 4, I think it was one of the most important chapters since the resurrection of Christ is unity. And when we we start breaking down and creating division in a church, whether it be human sexuality or even within the body of Christ, you're just completely breaking down the complete design of God's creation since the beginning of time. And... And in my second book, Mike, we all know the. Well, actually, I'm sorry. I deeply apologize. This is my first book, it was uh, in Genesis. When we think about Sodom and Gomorrah, one of the things that we think about is you talk about human sexuality. I mean, just think about everything that we're seeing today and what took place back then. But when you peel back, all the layers, when you get to the core of what human sexuality or just sexual immorality is all about, it comes down to one thing. The oldest sin there is is pride because it's all about what people want. It's all about their indulgences. It's all about their self-desires and their wants in that moment, that pleading moment. And that's what happens. That's, that's the work of the enemy. And that's how it creeps in is when going back to what we talked about earlier about if we're not students of God's word, those kind of things will creep into our lives to create that kind of destruction.
1: Yes. Yeah. And sexual sin, the truth of the matter is that sexual sin defiles more than just our bodies.
2: It does. And it goes back to what we just talked about is if you just think about, what what was Paul? What what did Paul mean by that is when you have, like I said earlier, if you have two people that are in sin coming together, they're unifying in simple acts. Mm-hmm. And it, and that has a spiritual impact, not just not just a body, that has a spiritual impact. And that's what that's a whole purpose of that meaning behind what Paul was saying.
1: Yes, that's that's absolutely true. Um. Well, we've got just a few more minutes, uh, Carl, and I wow. sure appreciate you wow. taking the time to walk through this. And, and folks, again, I'm talking with Carl Barrett. The book is God's Holiness versus Man's Lawlessness. And you can get that. Can they get it on your website, Carl?
2: Yes, they can. They can. And and really, you can actually, believe it or not, Mike, you can just Google it and you can order it through uh, I mean, it's so many different—Amazon, Barnes Noble, Target, and Noble, Target—and and I shouldn't say that. Don't order through Target, by the way. Sorry. <laughs> Please forgive me. I should not said that. That was my bad. Mm-hmm. But yeah. there's there's so many sources out there that you can order through. Yes.
1: Yeah. God's holding. And also, people.
2: when you go to my website, to your point, Mike, uh, you'll see the uh, the other three books that are also out. Oh, there. You go right there. Yep.
1: Thank I'll
0: you
1: see, maybe she's, she's, she's trying to check them all out.) <laughs> <laughs> the website is Monday Blues to sundaypees.com, Mondayblues to Um, I'm sure the producer will put that website in the show notes for people to find. Um, thank you. How about that. That's just fantastic. So one more one more topic I think we have time for Carl and and uh this is it it kind of was a thing 20 years ago now it's died down or it died down for a while and now now I see that it's coming back but um profanity uh especially what I would call blasphemous profanity is uh making a huge comeback in our in our culture, I I run across videos on <laughs> platforms, and and I, I I'll just tell you right now, um, when they resort to profanity, uh, and especially a blasphemous profanity, it's it's an automatic uh, close and X, and I don't I don't partake of that kind of thing, but um, profanity has become normal, and the Bible actually speaks about that, doesn't it?
2: Yes, it does. I mean, Paul talks about it in Ephesians and he even uh and he even mentioned it in his letter to the church of uh, Colossae there in Colossians. I mean we <laughs> and then you gotta go back to uh James and about uh, controlling our tongue. I mean we just I think what the problem is Mike is people that are continuously, whether it be foul words, or even foul actions, is because of what they are surrounding themselves with. If, if you are surrounding yourself in a world of corruption, if you are watching bad movies, if you're looking at porn, if you are doing the things around people that become almost a second nature for you, if you will, then that's going to become an habitual sin. And, and I I even hate to share this story with you, but I see we've got a couple of minutes, but I, I've served in churches where leaders of other ministries are, take, are telling jokes and using even foul language in the mm-hmm. church. And these are leaders of certain ministries. Now, I'm not talking about pastors. I'm talking about, like, you know, I hit up, first impressions or hospitality, but, but other churches, as far as other ministries and, and they do it as so nonchalantly, it comes, it comes just flowing out off their lips as if, as as if it's second nature. And, and now shame on me. I want to live the kind of life where when they say that kind of word, they, they stop in their track and they say, Oh, I'm sorry, Carl. I didn't mean to offend you. Well, you're not offending me. But yes, you are, but you're offending the Lord. And, but, but at the same time, we got to call our brothers and sisters in Christ out that are, they're doing these kind of things. And we got to approach them as, as Paul challenged Timothy when he was in a hot seat in Ephesus. You know, he's, he says, it's all about your approach. And, uh, because I don't want to come across as holier than thou or or just Mm -hmm. self righteous. But I, I want to do it in a way to where, like Paul, like Paul says in Colossians, use words of grace and love. Yes. So, but you're right, and uh, p- people, it's not just the words, but it's also their actions. They're 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 taking God's name in vain by the very things that they're doing. Yeah. So yeah, it's sad. It, it really is. And, and when we, I'm working on my on book five and book six right now, and in book five. Uh, One of the things I covered in there is about, it's amazing how parents will go to all extremes to make sure, in some cases, not all cases, to where it's got to be PG, parental guidance. But then we don't even apply those things to our very lives as as Christians today. We we, we go out and we just, remember the old saying, Mike, that Christians will say, oh, you're dabbling too much in the world? Well, guess what? Right now, we're, we have what I call dabbling Christians. Just mm-hmm. this, this, think about that for a second. We have Christians that are sort of casual and superficial. I, I, I preached one sermon in Granbury, Texas. And I think it was one of the first sermons I did out there. And uh, it, it's one of those, and I'm sure you've had this happen to you a lot. It's like something came off my lips. I said, did, did I say that? And, uh, but <laughs> But a lot of people think that once they walk the aisle and accept Christ as their savior and they get baptized biblically and then all of a sudden they think heaven is a default button
0: Mm -hmm.
2: and everything stops right there. Well, that's an insult to the indwelling Holy spirit. You're grieving him and you're not doing the things that, that we're supposed to be doing in our daily Christian life. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. The the foul language and the foul actions, all it does, it is opens the door to pride of life, the, the lust of the flesh. And uh, it's it just. It just opens up so many gateways to other sins that just leads us down a spiraling soul out of control, unfortunately.
1: Yes. Yep. So very, very true. So one final question. We've got three minutes, Carl. Um, what about all the things we've discussed, all the principles we've laid out for folks. um, If you named one thing, what is it that you want folks to take away from this book? Well,
2: number one is, is I I made this commitment to the Lord. I I want the books that I write to be a little mini vessel that will lead them to God's word. And I want them to get into God's word and to get the, to get all the meat that he has in the breath of his word and apply it to your life. All I am is just a, a little, I, I say this real quick. You ever get one of those little hangnails? I tell you what, those little hangnails, they are so painful. I want to be like a little thorn in the I want to be like a little hangnail on you, the smallest little pinky that will get someone's attention say, Man, I need to go to God's word and I need to see how this applies to my life. And as you as you're Mm -hmm. well aware, is that I have a lot of scripture layered in the books Mm -hmm. that is more of a labor's approach that is life applicable.
1: Yes. Amen. Amen.
2: So so the key, get to God's word,
1: Get in God's word. Amen. Yep. You can't you can't (laughs) you can't say it any better than that. Be in huh. the word. Be in the word. Get connected
2: with God. If you're going to get connected with anybody, get connected in God's word.
1: Amen. Amen. Well, Carl, I sure appreciate you joining me today. Thank you very much. The website is Monday blues to Sunday Pews.com. The book's there, or any other book retailer, you can you can get it there. Uh Carl. Is there a contact? There is. So if you want to reach out to Carl, tell him you appreciate his work and his ministry, do that through the contact form on his website. That's all we've got for today. Carl, again, thank you very much. God bless you, Mike. God bless you, brother. Thank
2: you, guys.
1: We'll see you appreciate next it, time here on WCN TV. God bless. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye.